Welcome back to Talking Points. This season, we're back with another 10 beautiful conversations with some of the world's most extraordinary dancers, choreographers, and artistic directors. I'm your host, Claudia Lawson. For our summer season bonus episode, we're catching up with the divine Emma Watkins. In season one, Emma and I spoke about her life growing up in Sydney. We spoke about her early dance years, about injuries and auditions, and then being selected to be the first ever female wiggle. We spoke about Emma's passion for Auslan, her PhD, and we also spoke about love, surviving endometriosis, and fertility. To hear that conversation, just scroll back to episode six of season one, and we'll also put the link in the show notes. Today, nearly 18 months on, Emma and I speak about what her life is like following her departure from the Wiggles. We speak about her new character, Emma Memma, and what it's like to be on the precipice of handing in her PhD. We also speak about her marriage to new husband Ollie and her plans for the future. We're just quickly interrupting this episode to let you know that we're delighted that Emma's bonus episode of Talking Points is sponsored by Energetics. Energetics are a sustainable Australian-made brand that specialise in creating world-class dancewear for the stars of tomorrow. Perform and feel your best at every stage of your dance journey in Energetics' premium, high-performance fabrics. You can see their entire range online at energetics.com.au and for all Talking Points listeners, there's a 20% discount on all Energetics products. Just use the code EMMA20 at the checkout and the offer's available until the end of August 2023. Hello. Hello. <laughs> In the lead up to this interview, I was trying to get the timing of our last chat, which was about 18 months ago. And you were newly engaged to Ollie and happily dancing as a wiggle. That's so long ago. It (laughs) it feels like a whole other lifetime ago now. Yeah, so I think our chat was sort of mid-2021. So we were, Mm. you know, in the deep, dark Sydney lockdown. Mm. So... A few things have changed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, lots of things have changed and it really does feel like a completely different chapter now. I bet. Can you talk us through, I mean, I assume an epic decision to leave the Wiggles. Can you talk us through the decision-making process and your headspace leading up to that call? I think you know, through the lockdown multiple times, I had a lot of time to focus on my thesis, which Mm -hmm. essentially was going on the whole time I was, you know, touring and performing. And it's been part of my life for most of the time anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because we weren't touring as much, I did have a little bit more time to sit and think and reflect and write. And it really started to make sense for me that this particular part of research that I had been uh, embarking on was needing to be finished. (laughs) Uh, Probably 18 months ago when we spoke last time, it probably should have been finished then. (laughs) How long have you been doing your PhD? Uh, It's, I guess, when you ask anyone that's doing a PhD, it's a bit more extended than what was originally planned, but I'm doing my PhD through Macquarie University. So it's a bundle approach where you do a master's and then you do your PhD. So the master's is helpful, yeah, because you're kind of doing a little bit 
of the PhD first. Okay, it's so, like the MPhil, isn't it? Yeah. You sort of step up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So currently it's probably been about five years altogether, mm-hmm. um, which probably isn't as long as some people, uh, you know, do their thesis for. <laughs> um, but it does feel like most of the research that we have been doing has been going on for over a decade anyway. And mm-hmm. so it has been a real conscious decision to put the line down now, which I've been told many times in the last month. <laughs> and so when is the line? The line is at the end of March. I feel like I shouldn't <laughs> say that in case <laughs> in case I don't get there. Ooh, but it, it feels positive. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so lockdown happens. It's the first time that mm. really you haven't toured with the Wiggles yeah. in almost really a decade. Mm. And it was an extensive touring program that they had. So is it sort of like COVID gives you this sort of moment to pause. Absolutely. And it was probably, you know, of course the pandemic is is positive and negative. It, mm-hmm. you know, it has different effects on lots of different people and I really can't talk for everybody. But in terms of my situation and, and stopping travelling for te- after 10 years constantly, I think my body just didn't know what to do with itself. <laughs> and for the first time it was like, I think we're on a body holiday. And <laughs> that was actually something that I needed so much, but I didn't realise. Um, not just for, you know, a dancer and, you know, having a moment to stop, which kind of feels uh, contradictory because you don't really ever want to stop your body because then mm. sometimes it can go into breakdown, which which has happened to me as well. Uh, but at times it does release you and give you some sort of freedom to start again. Mm. And I mean, now 18 months on, even just the original stopping during the pandemic, you know, my body felt a sigh of relief. But now, 18 months on, it's completely different again. Is it really? In what way? Uh, look, I'm probably not as fit as I used to be in terms of show fitness. Yeah. Um, but my body is definitely reacting differently because it's not under pressure of being, uh, you know, in a car for a million hours driving yeah, on a okay. plane every second day. Like there's definitely something different about my body feels that it is not as restricted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, in a way, I feel like I'm learning ballet back at square one and I'm training online with a beautiful teacher over Zoom, which we met through the pandemic (laughs) over Zoom. And I've been training with her ever since. So ever since we started talking, that's when Mm. I met her. Wow. And so Mm. what, you're taking like weekly ballet classes? Essentially three times a week with her. Wow. Um, because I live now in the country, <laughs> which is also very different to where we were 18 months ago in a really tiny apartment in Sydney. Um, and because we were in the lockdown in there, that was a, that was a real time. Not not for us as as a as a couple, but you know you just get so cramped if your mm-hmm. body can't move more than 10 meters, <laughs> yep. and you can't go outside. So I think you know now that we've We've moved south of Sydney and, you know, we have a little bit of a backyard. It's instantly completely different. Okay, so hang on. We, I, I feel I like we are Sorry. PhD. <laughs> no, we are country moving. It's like all the topics I want to hear about. But first of all, okay. let's let's head back to that word retirement from the Wiggles. I mean, <laughs> it is a, it's, a, it's an epic word to say out loud. When did it start creeping in? Oh, 
God. Oh, the word itself? Yeah, like, you know, um, just even to make that announcement or to think this could be a reality. I guess I never thought about the word retirement, even though mm. it was yelled at me over the street. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I'd be taking the dogs for a walk and people would be like, congratulations on your retirement. And I'm like, really? Um, I guess I understand the use of the term because I was stepping away from that particular role. Mm. Um, but for me, it more felt like, an internship that was really important to the way that I was forming my uh, critical thinking and performance mode. And, you know, I was like, okay, that's that chapter. But I think some of the research that we've been working on Mm -hmm. is really important that we need to focus on now so that we can act on it in the future if we ever want to make children's content or any content really for that sake from this point forward. So Mm -hmm. I understand that retirement was, (laughs) it was, I guess it was a bit overused (laughs) Um, because I'm, I'm certainly probably too young to be retired (laughs) Um, and couldn't retire anyway. We need, we need to work. (laughs) So uh, certainly retiring from the role, but it more felt like a chapter for me. Yeah. And maybe that's a perception from the outside because your personality and the character Emma Wiggle, there were so, there was so much overlap that perhaps from the outside, it was like, how, how difficult must it have been to step away but maybe not so much from the inside. Oh, no, definitely hard, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think for me as a person and a personal journey, it's taken this long for me to separate myself from that personality as well. Mm. You know, you don't realise how inextricably embroiled they become and because we were so fortunate to bring our own characteristics and hobbies and interests to the role, mm. uh, you know, it was a part of me, and it, um, and it will always be. It will always be a part mm. of me, absolutely. Um, but was it scary? Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it always is. Um, and you know, I we had lots of discussions, particularly um, with Ollie and I, and we ended up reflecting on a lot of people in the performance industry, particularly dancers who might have grown up only dancing and having that as their one goal. Mm. And, you know, because a dancer's life in some schools of thought is quite short, Mm -hmm. uh, when they don't perform anymore or when they have retired from the company, (laughs) they're still so young. And because Mm. that becomes such a big part of their identity, yeah, how do you move on from that? And I think for for some people it can be quite debilitating. Oh, absolutely. Um, That passion that they've had, where do they go? Yeah. But actually, it's. I think it might be the opposite. I I, I just feel completely free, <laughs> as in so I, good. I feel like now there was. I mean, and there's lots of different thoughts in my head about you know this next chapter, and and it's not just specifically about uh, work or career. It's it's also about you know having time to spend with family mm-hmm. and having time to spend at home and mm. sit down and have a cup of tea. Like some of those things I forgot about over the mm. 10 years. And so being able to reconnect with friends that I hadn't seen for over a decade was also something that I never had time for. Wow. And it, it's been an opening, it's been an eye-opening experience. <laughs> and also that we now have time to talk to people and just take a moment to connect with families uh through our work as well, but also mm. in the new neighbourhood that we are a part of and find out what people are really looking for in the world now. 
Yeah, it's interesting that you say that about the retirement because Mm. I suppose you also had a second passion bubbling in the background with your PhD. And some of the people I've spoken to who have found retirement so difficult is because Mm. ballet or dance or performance has been there. Yeah, they're everything. And then when they stop or their body stops, where do they put that energy or that passion? Absolutely. And Emma Wiggle was everything to me. I didn't think about anything else but her. (laughs) I was so, I was just infatuated with that experience and the journey and always wanting to try and improve her. And, you know, I had such a good chunk of time to really work on it as well. Mm. You know, as it's not really normal for people to play one character for a decade. <laughs> yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. I, I had to really think about that as well. It's it's also not normal to be photographed in the same outfit for two years. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realise that either. And so, you know, all of a sudden uh, stepping away from that role and then initially obviously focusing on the thesis and then all of a sudden being approached to do other projects Mm. and wearing different costumes and being a different person. Like I just was like, wow, I didn't know that this was possible. (laughs) So you step away to do the PhD Mm. or to focus more on the PhD. Does Emma Memma feature in that thought process? Uh, Not at the time when I stepped away, uh, though that we knew that one of the one of the outcomes of the research is to practically put in place what we've been researching. Okay, so, so tell, can you summarise? Yeah. Just for your supervisor's <laughs> <laughs> oh. approval, what is your PhD looking into? My supervisor is going to be crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I love her to pieces. She's the best thing since sliced bread. So because for some reason I can't articulate it, which is probably the reason why it's still going. <laughs> My PhD is about creative integration of dance, sign language, and film editing. And Mm -hmm. really, it's about a comparison between people who use sign language and people who might grow up as trained dancers, and what are the similar skills that they both have. Sometimes they are in our subconscious, or they're they're not known. They become techniques of intuition. Um, But Essentially, we have really similar qualities, but there is not a lot of crossover between people who use sign language and dance and not a lot of dancers who use sign language. But I feel like it's really silly. (laughs) This is not in the PhD, (laughs) the word silly. I feel like it's really strange that we don't have more crossover in those fields because we could really learn from each other. And from a dancer's point of view, this is too long, obviously, for (laughs) for a clarification. For a dancer's point of view, if your lifetime, if your career is very short, then you can apply your skills as visual professionals to be learning sign language and actually help in the workforce where we have such a lack currently right now in the deaf workplace. Do you know, as you say that, I'm thinking of sort of those classic scenes from the ballet where, you know, the princess comes on and, you know, she invites the entire courtroom to dance and then, you know, there's that classic arms above your head, spin the... Roly-poly. Roly-poly. Come and dance dance with with us. And then there's, you know, the the bow to say thanks, everyone. You're so right. Like they communicate through their use of their hands, their arms, their face. And yet why is that not translated into skills with Auslan because actually, yeah, I mean, of course, I imagine people who are hearing impaired completely understand what those dancers are gesturing, but why wouldn't we integrate that? And the one of the challenges is music. 
I think music becomes a really big barrier uh, for both sides, people that are deaf and people that are hearing. I think people that are hearing on a, on a gen, um, this is a generalisation, um, will think that it's not possible for somebody who's deaf to join in, whereas people that are deaf don't really... That there are some schools of thought that music isn't part of the community, but that actually is not quite true for everybody. And it's not really about music in the in the oral sense, but music is actually movement. Mm. And even if you were playing an instrument, you have to move your body to play the instrument. So essentially, my argument is that music is movement. So let's get rid of the barrier, bring down the wall. And let's have a party because we know things that each other knows and we use them without thinking about it. So let's embrace it. So Emma Memma is your new children's character that you Mm. have launched. Did she evolve out of the PhD as almost like a test case? Yes, that's right. Yep. Okay. And it was... So that's your data collection, isn't it? I love that. (laughs) And so, yes, Emma Memma is an outcome of the thesis, um, but it wasn't known to me at the time when I decided to leave. I just knew that I needed to do the thesis, essentially. And so with Emma Memma, mm. what are you hoping to bring to your audiences with her? Um, it's really interesting that you've even, that we're even doing this interview at the time because I'm definitely writing the thesis now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely 100 pages in. Um, it's, this is a discussion, right? <laughs> I really honestly feel that this is just a piece of sand in a very big beach. I don't think that Emma Memma solves all the problems for integrating these visual elements. And the reason why we chose this avenue is because, A, we have experience in children's entertainment, Mm -hmm. but B, also because it's the easiest platform to try a very simplistic test. So with Emma Memma, some of our music, well, most, is only based on two words and two signs. So you can't really do a test without having such strict controls. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm talking about (laughs) like a test, but it's not really. But we, we have given ourselves the boundary to create music with very little English, spoken English or sung English, so that we can make sure that the sign that's matching it is completely understood and then we just go from there. So all of the songs on our first album only have two words. So what, Wednesday and Wombat and then Green and Aeroplane. Okay, I'm starting to see the theme here. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of, you know, there's some reviews like, ah, why is this so simple? It's so boring. And I I completely understand that (laughs) viewpoint, Um, but that was actually our goal. (laughs) We're like, how, yeah, how simple do we need to go for everyone to understand this sign? Essentially. Yeah. I love that, that the songs are too simple and you're like, no, 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 this is for the no, PhD. No. Yeah, this is a goal. <laughs> but, what you know, what's interesting, uh, touring, well, not really touring, but performing in front of a group of people, which at most times was only about 100 people at mm-hmm. a time, just so that we could, I mean, for me, all I'm doing is watching people. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that space of time, which might have been an hour, and we were doing a few songs and then meeting every single family that that was wow. in the room. And for most of the time, it just shocked me how many people in the audience picked up the sign straight away without knowing the song. And that's the key because 
all of these songs that we've put out in the last 12 months are not very, it's not widespread. A lot of people don't know them. You know, it's not like singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star or Ba Ba Black Sheep, you know, something that mm-hmm. a nursery rhyme that is is quite common. We were bringing completely new songs to an audience that some of the people obviously had listened because they yeah. had followed us, but some people, you know, you think like parents and particularly dads who weren't, <laughs> who weren't, they just had happened to be there. They obviously <laughs> are not listening to me on social media and that is fine. Um, but in the space of the room, they could join in because they knew that it was only one or two signs and then did it straight away. So that's what I was watching the whole time. And I was like, wow, everyone's copying. Wow. <laughs> and it's only two signs. And then for us it's really about that movement or that dance choreography that's embedded in MMM or in, in, in any of the songs is actually a sign. It's not just a, an irrelevant dance move. Mm. And that's become very clear to me over the last I remember in Sorry. I remember in our last chat you had said, I think it was that you were hopeful that every person could just sign, do you need help? Yeah. That. We haven't done that song yeah, yet. Yeah, <laughs> that's the next up. See how many words that is, do <laughs> <Yeah>. you need? <laughs> yes. You can't get to four yet. Not yet. <laughs> was it was it hard? I mean, you came into the Wiggles in a sort of an established brand mm. and then you sort of took it to, you know, far higher highs with Emma. But was it was it a tricky process or was it difficult to learn, launch, you know, from scratch on your own? Um, I've actually just found it really interesting. I guess I don't really have any expectations of, you know, being some sort of A, success, <laughs> or worldwide success. It's kind of not really about that for us. It that really... is surprising to hear you say that because you're obviously so well-loved around the world as Emma Wiggle, so no thoughts that it might go well? I mean, we'd love it to. (laughs) But I think that's got to be dependent on whether the content is usable. Mm. And, you know, yeah, of course, we we totally could have decided to just do children's entertainment for the sake of it, you know, or work in any other region. I mean, what's interesting about the last year was that I worked on so many different projects that weren't even related to children's entertainment. (laughs) I went back and taught at my high school. I was tutoring online. I've been doing sign language interpreting course. I was so lucky to do Lego Masters. Like none of that stuff is in the same region really. No. And then you did the mask singing like school. Yeah, Reeve School. Like some really beautiful projects that you know, that's also been alongside this. So this really, it has been such an amazing, I guess it's almost like a workshop. And yeah. we, we we honestly, we've met some incredible families that I guess have been hungry <laughs> for some content that provides accessibility within their family structure. And we met a beautiful family, I mean, we met lots of amazing families, but we met a family in Perth and the grandmother came with her grandchildren I think she came with her daughter as well. And she was signing to our deaf consultant who was there, Sue. And Sue was, you know, hurriedly like waving at me across the room and I came over and then we were signing with the grandmother. And the grandmother signed to me and she's like, you have no idea I've not been able to watch a show with my grandchild prior to this. And I was like, oh, wow, that that means a lot. And so I think that's something that hasn't left us because now we've, we've realised how important it is to embed um, sign language foundation in this movement because it's it should be. It just doesn't make sense for me why 
It so are you, are you fully fluent in Auslan? Uh, no, but I have complete. <laughs> that was very quick, wasn't it? As in, I, I, I don't know if you can, uh, you'd have to be signing for decades, I think, you know, and I just know so many people who sign beautifully that I wouldn't be able to call myself fluent. But I have my diploma in Auslan and I'm doing my interpreter's course, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially one of the criteria's fluency. <laughs> um, so I can have a conversation, you know, quite easily. And, you know, most of our, all of our classes are in sign language for three hours at a time. So yes, we can, we can converse in sign language, you know, as we, as we should be able to, but I still, you know, forget signs. I can't express myself sometimes. And I think that's the frustration with being a student. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, maybe you ask me again in 10 years. So what actually sparked your initial interest in signing and, Auslan as a non-deaf person? Yeah, that's a good question. And I've been asked that question a lot this year um, because mostly people are exposed to somebody that is deaf through their family. Mm. And 95% of deaf children are born to hearing parents. And so for those parents, that's the first deaf person they might meet. Um, So the reality is quite weird, Mm. Uh, but there are lots of people who learn sign language just because they are interested in the culture and the community. Mm -hmm. And I happen to have a friend at my primary school, we're probably about seven or eight, and her brothers are deaf. And so we would go to their house and play, and that's my first exposure to sign language. And I think I was just infatuated with it then because I was like, oh, what are they, what are they what are they saying? What are they doing? And, and watching my best friend sign to them, I was like, oh, can you show me? And so it just really snowballed from there. Um, and I tried to learn sign language through high school and after high school and through touring. And it was so difficult because you re- you needed to be there in person. And I'd enrolled so many times <laughs> and wasn't able to complete the course because I then went away on tour. So through the pandemic, again, another really strange positive to this story was that the course was changed to be online and so then I completed an assessment test and um, was really I guess quite lucky because I'd also been continuing discussions with my deaf friends and my deaf network so I didn't have to start from scratch I was able to go to Certificate 3 and 4 and do them at the same time and then did my diploma and then here we are in the interpreter's course. (laughs) It's so incredible, like, what you're going to bring to that community but also to the entertainment and the dance community is just... It's just so incredible because actually you're bringing something to both. Mm. Actually, it's funny that you just mentioned dance a bit. As I was looking at all the things that you've done last year and especially going on The Masked Singer, remember our chat about all your auditions singing? And I just was actually just, I had a wry smile when I thought, now you're being really recognised as a singer. (laughs) Okay, this is just, okay, when they approached me to do the mask singer. I was like, great. I think I can do that in the, in the mask because then I don't have to face anyone. <laughs> and so the whole time we were filming, I was nervous as ever, but I knew that nobody knew who I was. <laughs> well, that's what Except. I thought, but obviously it was way too obvious. And that's okay. That's okay. I wasn't clever enough to change my voice because I was so stressed about the singing and that's fine. But then when you take the mask off, the head off, 
I didn't remember that you had to sing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was revealed and I took the mask off and, you know, having a chat with Osher and, like, everything's cool and then they're like, okay, and here's the microphone. <laughs> I think I did nearly wee my pants um, and I wasn't really ready. Yeah. So what you sort ready. of thought the, the zombie head was just hiding your... Uh... Absolutely. <laughs> but it was so cute because you had the turned out little first position. I, oh, so silly. Why did I do that? <laughs> Why? I look back now and I'm like, what was I doing? Why? <laughs> and so personal life, mm. obviously huge amounts of change as well since we, since we last spoke. You've married Ollie. Can you tell us about that day? Well, it was pretty lovely. <laughs> but as Ollie and I are, we're pretty casual. Mm-hmm. The wedding was um, in very regional Victoria at a homestead that was quite close to Ollie's grandfather, who was the eldest participant at our wedding. Wow. And so we wanted to make sure he could be there. And so we were asking a lot of other people, you know, friends and family to travel past Warrnambool, um, which is very far away in our eyes when you when you live in Sydney or Brisbane for that matter. And it was just a lovely I just it was just a really lovely day. It just felt like a, a garden lunch. And you've moved out of Sydney. We have. Good. What's it's so like? good. It's <laughs> <laughs> we've moved to the Southern Highlands to a place called Robertson. I guess I could probably name the town because it sounds like everybody knows that I live here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's fairly um, <laughs> widely reported in the media, I've got to say. <laughs> and it is it is such a beautiful part of the country. And we moved down here for so many different reasons, but my parents are down here, my sister's down here, and you know, we're all a lot closer than we were before and particularly after the tour, we wanted to make sure that we could see each other more often Mm -hmm. and we love animals and nature and we do have lots of animals at home Um, and, yeah, it's basically a farm stay. Wow. And was there any adjustment moving out of the city? You don't realise how weird it is until you go back to the city. So during 2022, I was driving to Sydney to do some filming and some work, you know, massing and, and the oh, like. Yeah. Yep. And every time I drove into Sydney, my shoulders would raise up near my ears. I'm like, <laughs> oh, the traffic and every other people. You don't really, then I just became a grandmother like instantly within about two months. And I was like, there's so many people. <laughs> and I, you just so don't. So noisy, no parking. <laughs> I, I, the Robertson Post Shop is basically the highlight of my life where you can drive straight up to it and walk in and talk to the person and then drive away. <laughs> there's no line. There's no issue. You get parking every time. You don't have to even pay for parking. <laughs> it's just, it's completely different. And then you said at the start when we were chatting that you thought your body had gone through a mm. sort of break. Did you say breakdown since? Oh, as in it had a break. My body was happy. But then it also, I think as dancers have, when you're not doing as much as you used to do physically, your body starts to go into a bit (laughs) like a, I can't describe it. I've basically realised that my, (laughs) my feet strength and some of my bones were starting to like have a moment. And my, I do now have arthritis in one of my feet. Do you? Um, but I, it's actually starting to heal, surprisingly. So I think Amazing. it was just a moment where it was like, we need to stop. Now we're going to turn into a, a snowman and now we're okay. 
<laughs> so it's, but also, it's you were touring sort of eight plus months a year oh, yeah. and performing every day. I mean, yeah. you, there's just no way you can even maintain any. You can't. You know, you can't maintain. You actually can't. <laughs> no. There's no, there's no, this is not possible. But obviously now with a different training regime, not doing as much physical things that I was doing before, but different things that are helping my body stay at least flexible mm-hmm. and strong, um, my body's so different. My body's moving better now than it was before. Really? Um, and I'm just not moving it as much as I used to. Wow. And the endometriosis? Well, that's the same thing. It's mm. just unbelievable. Is it <laughs> I, really? I must I must have had so much stress on my body, not just, you know, physically doing things, but I think that the travelling was really knocking my body around, of mm. which I kind of knew but don't, didn't really know. And it was only sometimes in the last year when I'd catch a plane, and I haven't really been on a plane that much mm. in the last 12 years in the last 12 months, and then getting off the plane and my body absolutely going into meltdown. <laughs> really? Like, wow, okay, it really doesn't like a plane. So now I know that it doesn't like a plane. Right, so that sort of extended sitting yeah. and just I, everything that comes with that. I think it's that. the pressure. I think it's the cabin pressure. Yeah, so now, again, there's more controls. Now I can yes. actually work out what the problem, like what you know, setting it off all the time. So you've got um, that time to sort of yeah. watch how you've your body responds. You've got that time responds. to have a moment after <laughs> a plane. <laughs> Whereas before I'd get up, you know, I'd get off the plane and then, you know, instantly be on stage and my body would be like, help, 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 help. Um, wow. But now I, now I know what's going on. And obviously I've caught a plane this year. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, it's just you just have to manage it and know. You just have to be nice to yourself. Yeah, because I, I often thought of that when you – when the Emma Memma costume launched. And I remember mm. you saying when Emma Wiggles costume, you know, none of us knew that you had endometriosis and it, and I don't mm. think you knew. And no. No so idea. just managing that behind the scenes in a career that is so performance-based. Yeah. My costume is a lot cooler now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a whole different material. Perfect. Breathable. And it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And so what are your hopes for this year? Oh, there's so many hopes. I mean, the first hope is submitting the thesis. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Watkins, I love oh, it. Oh, I just can't. I can't even think about it. I just <laughs> I just know that it's going to come back with revisions and that's okay. You just have to accept that. Um, but it's not, a, it's not about that. It's just about doing a good job in terms of presenting the research so that hopefully we can build on it in the future or it helps other people, mm. um, you know, acquire some other skills. Um, but for Emma Memma, we're hoping to film our very first TV series, as in a long-form TV series. And so we've been in lots of different discussions with different parties across the world. Wow. Um, it's just been trying to make the right decision about who we might want to partner with that's going to understand the nuances of sign languages around the world as well. And mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we partner with the right people. And because around the world, they don't speak Auslan. Auslan is... Auslan is only used in Australia. There are some similarities with New Zealand Sign Language and and British Sign Language, but for most of it, that's the beauty about Sign Language because the culture is embedded in the language. And so you can see the different culture when you watch different sign languages across the world. And so that's really important for us. But also we're very, very fortunate. We're in a pre-literal audience 
space mm. where we can use iconic shapes as well, gestures, mime, dance. And so that mixture and that balance is what we're trying to write now into proper video scripts to um, oh, prepare us for a TV series. Yeah. Wow. And any other sort of postdoctoral? No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with it? I mean, it's, again, all of the research that's part of the PhD is really informing us about MMMA, but also other projects. You know, we have been very fortunate, again, to be approached to do lots of different creative collaborations. Mm-hmm. And I, re, a, as soon as I receive any kind of email, you just kind of look at it straight away and you're like, is this accessible to my friend? Um, and then that gives us a really good indication about whether we should choose it or not as well. Wow. I wouldn't want to do anything that, um, you know, for example, Sue, my friend, I wouldn't want to do anything that she couldn't have access to as well. Mm. And so that's really important for me. Wow. This is a strange question to mm. perhaps end with, but you are just such a delight. Like every time I've spoken with you, had any interaction, you know, the way that you have uh, must have to sort of hold yourself when you're in public because children recognise you. Does Emma Watkins ever have a moment of angst or like, <laughs> do you get cranky, Emma? <laughs> oh, I really only get upset if my animals are sick. <laughs> I literally go to the goats every morning and then if one of them's having a moment, I come and I'm like, why are they sick? <laughs> that's really that's really my my only moment of frustration is having animals that are sick when I don't know what's gone wrong. <laughs> wow, because you just seem to have such a positive outlook on life. Like you have such, you know, it would seem such beautiful relationships with everyone that you deal with and it's just... What an asset to all the communities that you work with. Thank you. I guess we can't really complain. We're very lucky. Emma Watkins, thank you so much. I can't wait to see what you you do this year and just all the best for you and Ollie as well. Thank you so much. If you'd like to hear more about Emma's life, you can find our full conversation in the show notes. For Emma Memma tour dates, songs and updates, you can find her on Instagram at Emma Memma Memma. And to continue to follow all of Emma's life adventures, you'll find her on Instagram as well at Emma Watkins Official. Emma and I recorded remotely, with Emma dialing in from Robertson, the land of the Gundungurra and Thawal people, with recording and production on the land of the Awabakal and Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, to whom we pay our greatest respects. Talking Points is produced by Fjord Review. Remember to subscribe to get the episodes as soon as they're released. And if you like us, please leave a five-star review. Your host and producer is me, Claudia Lawson, with additional production by Penelope Ford and Clint Topic. Sound production and editing by Martin Peralta at Output Media. This is our final episode of our summer season. We cannot thank our guests enough for sharing their stories and lives and all of their vulnerabilities. To our beautiful audience, thank you once again for your overwhelming response. Season three of Talking Points is in the works and will be available wherever you get your podcasts later this year. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the series, please hit five stars and subscribe or follow to be notified of when new episodes are released. And if you'd like to follow along, you'll find me on Instagram at by Claudia Lawson. And for all your ballet and dance news, head to fjordreview.com. 
That's fjordreview.com.